Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Jim Tedford. Jim has been actively engaged in the animal welfare movement for more than 33 years. He currently serves as president and CEO for the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement, formerly known as SAWA. It's a professional association of leaders in the field of animal welfare and animal care and control. Jim has been CEO for organizations in New York, Louisiana, and Tennessee. He served as a regional director for the Humane Society of the United States. Jim has presented at national and regional conferences on various animal welfare issues, organizational development, and not-for-profit management. Jim, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, Stacy. Great to be back. Wow. Well, we have so, so much great news to cover today. If folks are interested in finding out more about Jim, this is his second time on the show. So I, I'd like to let folks know he was also our episode number 199. So if folks want to go to the communitycatspodcast.com and just search 199 in the search bar, his episode will come up and you can find out more about his personal past and how he got involved in animal welfare. But today, Today's show, which is episode number 263, we are focusing on the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement, which is a new name for SAWA. And so, Jim, maybe share with us today what's going on. Well, I tell you, Stacy, we are approaching our 50th anniversary as an association, which is really hard for me to believe as well. We we were formed in 1970, so in a couple of years, we will we'll turn 50. And I, uh, I've been around for a lot of that. I, I've been a member for over 30 years, so it, it's been a big part of my life and my career. What we've, we sort of realized is, though, that the, the industry that we're, we're such a part of and is such a part of us is evolving at a remarkable rate. There is so much happening all the time and things are changing. The one thing that is, is constant in our field is, is change and evolution. And, and we thought we need to evolve along with it. Our, our old name, SAWA, the Society of Animal Welfare Administrators, really served us very, very well for the last 48 years. But we wanted a name and a brand that could really help advance us into the next 50 years and, and that, that would sort of carry us through that period of time and would, would help us sort of grow into the association that we want to continue to grow into. So we, uh, we put together a group of folks probably, oh gosh, a year and a half ago almost now, a group of marketing and branding experts from the industry and from outside the industry to really talk about what, what do we need need to do to make that evolution happen and, and how can we come up with a new brand identity that's going to carry us over that that next 50 year period we it was a bunch of really smart folks plus me <laughs> sitting or sitting around a table really kind of talking through what a what a brand needs to do and and how we can best make that happen um, and and it, we concluded that with some really amazing focus groups at our conference last fall we brought together 
together stakeholders from all different aspects of our work. We had sponsors and executive level members and veteran members and brand new members and and folks who aren't even members yet, but but are sort of on the periphery thinking about becoming members. Brought a whole lot of different people together with different points of view and, and had out some professionally led focus groups. And interestingly, all those groups led us to the exact same conclusion, the same words that we put out there really resonated. And we thought, you know, we are, A, we don't really necessarily want to be a society anymore because society kind of by definition represents a closed group. And we don't want to be a closed group. We really want to be as inclusive as we possibly can. Um, There are so many different types of people and organizations at work um, making things happen for animals these days. And we thought we don't want to just represent the, the executives from the top 10 markets around the country. We want to really have something for everybody. Anybody who aspires to to lead in this field, we wanted to be we wanted to be able to offer them something of value that would help them advance their careers and 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 hence uh, really help advance the movement as a whole. So society was the first word that we got hung up on and wanted to really f- come up with a replacement. And and association seemed like just the right word. And then the other word that really in our old name that really kind of we got stuck on was the word administrator. We really felt like that, you know, when when Sawa was first formed nearly 50 years ago, that may have been a fairly accurate description of the work that, that most of our members were involved in. But but we're not just administrators anymore. I, I think we, we have all evolved significantly beyond that. And, you know, when I hear administrator, I kind of, for better or worse, I kind of think DMV. And <laughs> That's not the image that I want us to conjure up in anybody's mind. So we thought what we're trying to do really is advance a movement. And so the word advancement really seemed much more apt to to include in our name. So we we came up with the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement. And it just just rings true to, to everything that we stand for today and everything that I think that we will stand for even 50 years from now. The other thing I really love about it is when we were Sawa, we had a tagline. We always had to sort of maintain some kind of a tagline. And our most recent tagline was leaders committed to excellence. I think when you say the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement, the tagline is there. We don't really even need an additional tagline. We don't need to, to, to tell people who we are or what we do or what we stand for. It's all in our name and in our brand identity. So we're, we're really excited about the, the change and the direction. It, I I will tell you, probably for the next three to five years, we'll all still be saying Sawa way too often because it's, it's, it, first of all, it's just so, so familiar to, to folks who have been in the industry for a long time. What we're trying to do is not be an acronym anymore. We don't want to be AWA just because we changed, we dropped the this the society and changed our name a bit. We don't want to turn it to, to morph into AWA. So we're trying to brand ourselves as the association. 
And uh, we, we did that for ourselves at our most recent conference back in June. And, and um, amazingly, it, it really caught on. And by the end of the conference, I had all manner of members and non-members attendees at the conference referring to our organization as the association. So it, it for, for those of us who go back a ways, there was a band back in the day called the association that recorded a lot of hits back in the in the 60s. And um, so fortunately, our, we're, we're, our, our field is getting younger instead of older so most people most of our members don't even know who that is so, so we don't have to worry about that confusion so much so uh, yeah that's that's us we are the association and and so when folks are planning to attend a conference we hope instead of saying i'm going to sawa they'll say i'm going to the association wow that's great it's ex- excellent exercise for you to go through that because i know i've personally been involved in quite a few conversations about organizations and branding and name changing and whether or not it's a good idea to do it or not. And it's a really hard challenge for boards to make a decision to take that leap. I don't know if you have any tips or advice since you've just gone through it was like, what was the tipping point that made you to say, okay, we've got to, we got to jump in the deep end and do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate in that I have a board made up of, of leaders from animal welfare. And so they, they and they all work for boards themselves. So they understand that dynamic really well. And, and because of that, they, uh, they, they behave very professionally and very appropriately as a board, as a, as a true governing body and a group of real visionaries who are helping to set the course for where we're going as an organization. One of the best things that happened in this whole process process was from the very beginning, we approached it as we we want to go through this exercise and we need to know sort of what are the parameters, what are our limits, what are the what are the boundaries we can't cross. Um, and our board agreed from the very outset that there were no sacred cows. There was nothing that was off the table and completely off limits for this brand analysis team that we put together. They could really go for broke and, and be as aggressive and forward thinking as they wanted to be without feeling limited by anything. Um, obviously, the board made the final decision once the recommendations came back from that team. But, but you know, as, as smart people do and as strong boards and strong governing bodies do, they took the advice of the experts and and you know with without really any hesitation remarkably when we did the vote for making the name change and 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 uh doing the whole new brand identity uh, it, it was an incredibly quick meeting for us because there was so much preparation done uh beforehand and throughout the process that's the 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 probably best piece of advice I can offer is a surround yourself with experts who really understand brand analysis and really understand the concept of branding and, and what a brand needs to accomplish. And then secondly, make sure that communication is open throughout the process that you're you're letting all the critical stakeholders in on the, the various milestones along the way. And, uh, and, and then there are no surprises for anybody. It, it keeps everybody on the same page and on a very level playing field. So when the, the final recommendations come in, it's not like a big shock to anybody's system. You know, I, I, I thought if we had not done it the way we did it, introducing a brand new name for a 50-year-old association and, and a brand new logo and brand new branding identity all the way around could have been like jumping into a really cold lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> for the, for these folks. Instead, it was like stepping into a nice warm hot tub. <laughs> they were all they were all very well prepared for it and very braced for it and 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 very embracing of it. So that's the communication is and I, you know what that's the key to almost everything we do. If we if we're open in our communication, even if we have varying viewpoints on things, and even if we disagree, if we're just open and honest in the way we communicate with other folks, we're going to make so much better progress. Right. And it's clearly not just a name change. It's a real directional shift with regards to the organization. You offer Kawa educational opportunities, and that is being changed or adjusted. And you've also added a new staff member to expand some programming. I don't know if you would like to tell us more about that, but it sounds like you're trying to reach potentially a different market than you have in the past. Yeah, we're really excited about that advancement. I think it's probably the most exciting thing that we've done as an association, maybe in the time that I've been involved for over 30 years. Uh, we've, we've always been known as an association that, that brings excellent executive level professional training to the market. But I think we've done that through primarily through a couple of face-to-face conferences. And then we'll occasionally do webinars or some sort of, of e-learning. And with this advancement, we are really doubling down on our commitment to, to, to bringing professional development to to the industry. I, you know, I think there are plenty of opportunities out there to get the sort of hands-on operational level training that, that folks need in order to be effective at their jobs in this field. But what has what has really, what our niche has been, I think, from the beginning is that executive level training. It's really that, that sort of management and governance level education um, and getting beyond our own industry and thinking a little bigger and broader than that. So we have been really known for bringing to our conferences presenters who are from outside the field, who may come from corporate America, and they may be doing human resources in a major corporation. And, you know, while there are certainly huge differences between between doing HR for a big company and doing HR for, for a, a sheltering organization, um, it's all scalable. And, and the, 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 the basic sort of proponent or components of it are really the same, regardless of, of scale. So we've kind of challenged ourselves as an industry to think bigger. We it, it, There's been a cliche that I've heard since I got into the business 35 years ago almost now from from folks saying we need to operate more like a business. And, you know, I never I never really fully understood what that meant. But but I think through the training that we've offered as an association, we really have helped people function in a much more business like way. You know, that we're not selling we're not selling cogs and gears and and uh, you know we're we're selling we're selling a mission basically, um, and so it's it's there there are certainly some differences in terms of what what our bottom line needs to look like, but our bottom line needs to be healthy if we're financially it needs to be healthy and so it's things like that it's financial management personnel management um, you know all of those sorts of um, the, the legal aspects of what we do all of those things need to need to be well understood and well in hand if we want to be sustainable over the long haul and I think because of that because we've got folks who have really availed themselves of that type of training the industry has advanced in incredible 
incredibly fast ways. If you think about where we were 40 years ago versus where we are today as an industry, I mean, 40 years ago, euthanasia as a means of population control was commonly accepted. It was the the way that that most communities dealt with overpopulation of dogs and cats. And you know, nowadays that's that's not acceptable to anybody anymore. It, we we really have to look for alternatives to that. You know, none of that would have happened had we had we tried to fun- operate in a vacuum and we operated purely based upon our emotions and our passion for animals. We also had to be smart about the way we did it and the way we managed the resources that it took to get to where we've gotten in, in very, very short order. And so I think the training that we offer really has helped us get there. Where we're headed now is we're really formalizing that sort of distance learning piece. Um, it, it, it's all part of our desire to make sure that we are available and accessible to folks at all levels of the industry. So whether you are a mom and pop rescue group that just wants to be more professional, or whether you're a, a, a large organization with a multi-million dollar budget and lots of staff members in a major market, um, and everything in between, we want to make sure that we're offering something for everybody. And you know, I, I recognize early on in, in this position that there are a lot of folks who are never going to come to one of our conferences. They simply don't have the time or the money or maybe the drive even to make the effort to show up at a conference. And so we thought, well, there are more efficient ways for us to deliver training. There's always going to be a place for the face-to-face conference. There's always going to be that great, you know, I think there's always going to be a need for folks to network and and to get to know each other and spend time together and share and, and all of that. But between those conferences, there's a whole lot more we can do and, and we can avail ourselves of all manner of modern tech technology and and, um, and training opportunities. So we've we have added for the first time to our team a director of professional development and credentialing. And her role with us is really to to sort of develop the content that we need to deliver to folks all, all across the country, even if they never want to leave their desktop, um, they can still get I- incredible training. So we're looking at content development, curriculum development, and then all the different means of delivering that training in a remote way so that folks don't have to necessarily travel to a, a conference to, to get that, that level of training. Uh, it's, it, as I say, it's one of the most exciting things I think we've done. We've been known as a professional development association for years, and and I think we're really taking great steps to earn that label and to sort of walk the talk and deliver the services that are needed out there in the industry. Well, and the one thing that we haven't touched upon, too, that I have found with doing the podcast as well as the online cat conference that I did last January is there's an incredible amount of interest internationally in virtual learning. And so I think that that's a wonderful way for the association. I'm sure you already have an international reach, but it's just another way to get out there even more. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've got a, a, a few members from who are scattered around the globe. We've got folks in, in Australia and South Africa and obviously several Canadian members. But yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the, the beauty of the Internet is that, that it doesn't know those boundaries. And so it's really wonderful for folks who may have absolutely no access. If they're, they're living out in the hinterlands, they may have no access to, to professional training. And if we can bring that to them in, a, in an efficient and affordable way, there's no reason in the world that the industry 
shouldn't be able to advance internationally as well as across the U.S. So absolutely, we're, we're thrilled about that. We're proud to be an affiliate of Space Kitty Express, makers of handmade, refillable catnip alternative cat toys. Think Valerian, Silver Vine, Honeysuckle, etc. for the discerning cat who wants to try something new or doesn't respond to catnip. You can even get 10% off your purchase at Space Kitty Express by using the code COMMUNITYCATS at checkout. Help your kitty blast off today with some new toys from www.spacekittyexpress.com. Did you miss the 2018 online cat conference that we held in January? Or would you like to share some of the conference webinars with friends? You can now purchase the presentations and share them with colleagues and friends. Just visit our recordings page, which is under the resources tab, to access webinars from some of the leading personalities in feline welfare today. They're sure to give you and your cat-loving friends great ideas on ways to help even more cats. Check it out at www.communitycatspodcast.com. I'm going to cycle back just a little bit back to a conversation about boards because it's a topic that I don't cover very often, but I think it's very important. Every nonprofit has to have a board, whether you're two people or, you know, a really large organization. Here you are. You've been involved with the association for 30 years. The organization's been in existence for 50 years. You've made a dramatic change. Some would say, since you've been so involved in the the organization, that you might have preconceived ideas of direction. Some might say use the term founder syndrome or something like that. And then you've also been working with your board to create this new vision. How do you recommend folks in working with a board that wants to make change? Our industry is changing with regards to cats, community cats as our population numbers go down. Our programs need to change or else we're going to have a tough time going forward. How does one work with a board, either just as a volunteer board or just a smaller organization? I mean, how can they make change? I hear this phrase a lot, which is, oh, well, this is what we've been doing forever. We can never make a change. Right. And they're going to go out of business or they're going to have a lot of pain and suffering. What sort of advice would you give folks in that position? Well, I tell you, I think there there's an old cliche that goes um, evolve or die. And I think we as an as an industry really have to live up to that and we really have to be willing to accept change and to accept new ways of thinking and new ways of doing things I think that needs those things need to be accepted based upon data and based upon facts and 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 real knowledge and not just based upon emotion where I think I've seen boards go wrong over the the long term of my career has been when they spend way too much time thinking with their hearts and way too little time thinking with their heads. I I had a a consultant years ago um, at an organization I ran who who came in to work with our board. We were having some serious board dysfunction and he came in and and he he said to me, and it was a profound statement, he said, you have too many animal lovers on your board. And at first, that's kind of hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yep. When you first hear it, you think, wow, isn't that what we're about? But but then when you sort of stop and, and, and distill it down, he was absolutely right. We had a bunch of folks who had a little bit of knowledge and who were extremely passionate without really understanding the, the full picture and the full context. And they weren't very open to listening to what other people had to say. And especially new folks coming in um, were just sort of shut out 
because you know we we've always done it this way and we should keep doing it this way because it's it's the way we it's what's familiar and you know unfortunately no no great social movement has ever advanced because we, we because folks you know sort of stick to their guns and stay in the same place you've got to be willing to hear new fresh ideas and embrace those that work I, I worked for a for-profit company for a while and one of their corporate values was try a lot of stuff and keep what works the only failure is a failure to try and so I, 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 that has really stuck with me because I've, I, and and I, I've always said as long as I've been doing this that it, the day that I feel like I already know it all and don't have more to learn um, is the day that I need to hang it up, right. <laughs> yeah. because it, it is you know I, I, I learn new stuff every day and we have our memberships growing constantly and new folks are coming in and and I, I learn from everybody every I go to all of the state and regional conferences around the country. And, and listen to what other organizations are doing. And inevitably, I come back feeling really refreshed and challenged because I've learned so many new things. Um, so, yeah, the old you can't teach an old dog new tricks thing doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm definitely an old dog and I'm learning new tricks constantly. So and and boards of directors are, are that it's a tricky that's a tricky thing to navigate. Uh, I, I think, you know, in some ways, the not for profit governing board model is sort of a flawed model by definition when you think about the fact that you know you've got an executive working within an, a not-for-profit who was hired because of expertise around the that particular type of, of industry and and they're reporting to a group of people who really by definition know less than they do about what they're doing and and you you run into problems where boards don't realize that the only power they have is as a group they, they don't have really any powers and individuals they they only have power as a voting group and uh, you know i think the balance of power gets all out of whack egos get involved and personal agendas get involved and i've seen more organizations torn apart by board dysfunction than probably just about anything else so i i encourage folks if you if you feel that happening it's really there there are plenty of outside resources our association included that are there to help and and can really step in and and help coach and counsel boards to behave properly, and they're going to be so much more effective if they be if they do behave properly and really look at themselves as as governors of an organization and not managers of an organization. And there's there's such a huge profound difference between those two things. That's a great point. And the the one quote I want to pull out what you said right at the beginning is we are an industry, and that we is not just top management. It is everybody out there in the field. So it can be that you know, individual who's out there trapping community cats, you are part of an industry and part of an ecosystem that can support you and help you and assist you and not be so stressfully alone, which at this time of the year being the end of the summer, I'm getting a lot of folks who are feeling the stress and most of them are small shops or individuals. And it's important to know that an organization like the association can help and provide some support from their resources that they have on their website. So with that, if folks are interested in finding out more about the association or the educational programs that you offer, I also noticed that your past conference is available for download so people can purchase the presentations. So if they did not know about the last conference and want to see what a conference is like, how would they find out that information? 
So you can go to our website, which is theaawa.org. And the other the other thing to throw out there is because we're still going through this brand transition, the, the old web address, Sawa Network, S-A-W-A Network.org, will also work. And uh, there are tremendous resources. We, we have a Best Practices and Emerging Trends Committee that has been working really hard to put together these, these huge best practice documents that are all available on the website completely free for download and they're they're amazing there's a best practice on transport of companion animals there's a best practice on enrichment and a best practice on veterinary care in the shelter and the committee will continue to work on developing those so you know that's those are just examples of some of the many resources available on on the site and our our contact information is also there on the site and if you want to reach out to me directly or to anybody on our team we are that's what we're there for we're there to really support folks and you know no, nobody is an island collaboration is the name of the game and if if you're feeling lost and alone out there you're not and so reach out find other folks in in your area who are like-minded and are i i can almost guarantee you that folks are willing to to work with you to make your your work a, a bit easier and more efficient and uh, you know I, there there's a there's a lot of strength in numbers and the more we work together the more effective we're going to be Jim, any last thoughts before we uh, close out today? I'll throw out my my sales pitch for membership. If you're not yet a member of the association, I hope you'll consider joining us. We, uh, again, strengthen numbers and the real power in our association is not in all of my brilliance. It's in the the network. It's in the fact that there are a lot of folks with a great deal of collective experience and expertise who are willing and able to help you. And they're easily accessible. We've got a couple of Facebook groups that are for members only. So as a member, you can join those and you can act access 500 or so of your closest friends and get advice in real time. So uh, if if you're not yet a member, there's all kinds of information on the website about how to do that, and we hope you'll consider it. Jim, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I can't wait to touch base with you a year from now, find out what the next next stage has been, because uh, you've been just a busy, busy uh, organization (laughs) over the last year, so I can't wait to see what you do next year. It's, it's, you know what, it's, it's constantly changing. So I have a feeling we'll have a lot to talk about, Stacey. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 